Aussie Tech Eds is brought to you by ATH Web Hosting. You can find them at athwebhosting.com.au. Servers operate on SSD drives, so they're nice and fast. Immediate activation of all hosting products, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, easy install, WordPress, Joomla, and Drupal. For all your Aussie hosting needs, why not give us a shot at athwebhosting.com.au. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 529 of Aussie Tech Eds. How are you guys? Uh, thanks for joining us for another week. On tonight's show, we've got MyOb customers targeted by malware. Microsoft new moves quickly to patch a fully exploiting zero-day word bug. Interactive Tomb Zones, news on TPG, Toshiba, and a Apple, and much, much more. So stick around and uh, be entertained and also informed of tech news. This week on the show, we have two Jasons, so we're going to call them uh, respectively Warlock and Milo. So let's have a look at Warlock first. We'll have a listen to him as well, if you like. Okay. <laughs> How's it going, Glenn? <laughs> Good. Uh, how about you? How's your, your week been? I'm ready for the Easter weekend. Oh, Cheers. Excellent. Good boy. Good to see. And the other Jason got is Milo. How are you doing, Milo? Uh, you got to be made of Milo. You do have to be. And that's a good Aussie uh, drink, isn't it? With milk. It's yeah. Yum, 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 yum. Or just on your ice cream. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. You know, I'm covering the ice cream with Milo. Yeah. Remember yeah. in the old days, it was uh, Milo and Activite. I don't know if you can still get Activite. You guys remember <laughs> Activite, don't you? Sure, yeah, we're all as old as you, Grandpa. Oh, come on. What, are you Man. serious? Hey? No one remembers? I... Nope. Nope. Okay, then. Fair enough. Uh, I remember it. All right. It. Now, um, what's been going on since we last saw you, Milo? Been uh, working hard at the radio? Yeah, usual stuff and doing my uh, Twitch TV streams uh, when I can. It's, it's really hard to get into uh, Twitch TV, but... It's, it's taken me three years to get to where I am now. So. Oh yes, well, as we as we heard last time you were here, it's all easier now that you've got the NBN. And how's that yeah. been going for you? You've been having a few hiccups with that of late. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to have to talk to TGB and just like certain times, like around about now, uploads fine. That's not a problem. It's usually the downloads, so it drops around from normally around about ninety. 395 drops down to about 10. Mm. Uh, what 10 yeah. 10 down, not 10 up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right, I have to get around about 11 12 o'clock. So, right, I know, yeah. And your, 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 your NBN warlock that's been going fine. No, 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 yeah. Damage. And um, my network's a bit more stable now. I've got these um Netgear Ethernet over power, and so I've got one of them in the lounge room plugged directly into the um, router and one in the bedroom here or in the computer room. I'm just here temporary because we've got relatives staying. But um, yeah, it's really good. It's as if I just had a network cable plugged directly into the modem. There's no speed drop. I just did a speed test before we came on and I was getting about 95 down and about 34 up. So that was pretty right. good. I'm very uh, happy with it. I thought it'd, I thought it would cut down to maybe half. And there's not the um, expensive ones. These are the AV1000. Right. So a good quality one, yeah. So, so you're getting now your your network is through the Ethernet over uh, electricity. Over the power in the house. Yeah, yeah. Right. and so you find that successful for you? Like, would you? Oh, much better than the Wi-Fi. I don't I don't know if it was the card or a slot in my motherboard, which is also possible because I had a different card in there. 
um, a couple of years ago and I ended up giving that to dad and it worked fine for him. But the, as we found out last week, I was having, it'd, it'd go fine for a couple of days. I'd be playing Minecraft for a whole weekend nonstop. Mm. And then we come to do the show and it'd be working for an hour while I'm looking up stories. And then it's high Glen dropped out. Yeah. And just no, no reason for it. The computer hasn't moved. I haven't moved. We haven't had an mm. earthquake and I don't think there's any sunspots happening at the time. So um, I don't know what it was, but yeah, this um, I was skeptical about the ethernet over power. It's going really well. Yeah. That's so good. Good. so uh, it wouldn't be as fast as a LAN, would it? Yeah, it is. Yes. You yeah. would think it's a LAN. Okay, nice. So, what, what a, a gigabit do you think, or a hundred? Or you? Um, you can get up to gigabit speeds, but my um, NBN is a hundred forty, and I get a hundred forty. So, oh yeah, yeah. You know, well, they, they're talking about maybe increasing the um, fiber to the premises to ten times. Oh, that. right. So right. we could see, but um, my the RSP I go with is can do 200, 200 wow. if your uh, network can your equipment can cape, cope with it. But now, uh, there's going to be a few and far between, really. Yeah. Now, uh, sorry, uh, Milo, you had a, did you have something to say about the Ethernet over power? Yeah, I, I've, I haven't got the one that uh, Wallach's got. I've got a, um, I think it's a Belkin one. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've got, because my NBN is the same as what his was in the bedroom. Why they did that, I don't know. And I got the PS3 out in the lounge room, you know, and I can watch Netflix and all that stuff on it through the internet. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I've uh, look. I've got to. Uh, I've probably got a, just a land wire drilled through the floor, put under the house, down into the into the office. So that's uh, good enough. But yeah, those those things sound pretty good, don't they? Uh, and uh, well, like, what'd you pay for those? Are they expensive? Like, is that the way to go? Do you think? I was going to get um, the AV two thousands because I thought get the good ones, but uh, the local office works didn't have that. They had the AV one thousand. I thought, oh well. While I'm here, the 2000s were 199. Uh, this was 149. You can get cheaper ones if you go for like TP-Link or something like that. But mm. this is just the only thing that they had there, unless you wanted to get the really, really slow ones that were about 300s. And I didn't want that because you usually get up to about half of what it's rated. So if you had a 300, you get up to 150 maybe if you're really lucky, but mm. usually a lot less than that. So no, these ones are brilliant. I'm very happy with it. Excellent. All right, good stuff. Now, uh, look, we're going to get into some tech news stories next. Yes, well, uh, some tech news stories, eh? Well, what do we know? Uh, Myob, customers targeted by malware with fake invoices. Well, what, what's going on there? It's pretty self-explanatory, I would imagine. Uh, so, again, these things are coming through the emails. The fake emails contain an invoice telling victims they owe between 6,360,000 and 6,400. That's their first mistake. Why would you why would you send an email requesting so much money? Like seriously. Yeah. But obviously people have fell for it. Uh, look, I'll just go quickly through this and we'll just get some comment from the, the Jasons. Uh, if uh, users click the view invoice link, they will be redirected to a compromised SharePoint website hosting a Trojan in the form of a JavaScript file. So that's all that's all going on there. Some versions also direct to a zip file containing a JavaScript payload. The JavaScript payload installs itself into Autorun, oh nice, when starting up Windows and tries to steal private information from internet browsers. The email also includes a link to the real MyOb site, making it more deceiving. But uh, yeah, so look, my, my take on that is why ask for so much money? People obviously were going to ring up and say, what's this for? Don't, 
Um, yeah. Warlock, what do you think? Too much money to ask for yeah. off the bat? I think so. Um, in, in my job, we see these kind of things going through all the time. And um, they often have about, some of them have like 20 links there the, to various headers and home pages and stuff. And it's just the one link that says click here to log on that goes to the compromised site. Even some of them, they've copied the signature off the bottom of real emails. It says this email has been scanned by a vast security and is deemed um, non-malicious mm. and they stick that at the bottom of the email so people see that and they're like oh it's already been scanned by antivirus obviously it's good but <laughs> yes. they just cut and paste that and stick it on every email so that people would think that yeah but, uh, yeah they see this happening all the time so you need to get uh, good uh, antivirus software going I mean Avast that I mentioned is free works fine for me um, you can get the more expensive paid ones if you really want to but um, make sure you've got something running on your computer to detect these. Don't just go out there all bare windows. Yeah, I think the Avast, I, I use I've, I've sort of, I'm going towards Avast now. I was on AVG, but AVG was getting a bit too noisy uh, by way right. of, you know, pop-ups and stuff on the free version. And Avast, although it has a couple every now and then, it just seems to be, it seems to be a little bit lighter and not as annoying uh, yeah. as the AVG. I found the same. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, what sort of antivirus have you got, uh, Milo? Uh, Trend Micro. Oh, yeah, that'd be, yeah. A, that'd be a paid one. You pay for that one? It seems to be pretty good, and it does a lot of things in the background, so I don't have to worry about it. It does let you know, like, if somebody, if there's a password or something that you don't know whether it's locked, you log into it wrong and or think it's somebody else or whatever, and mm. send an email. So that's pretty cool. So you're when uh, the uh, have you seen do you get scam emails have, have you noticed a, a I get that basically from uh, Apple right you know, saying that your account's been closed off or you need to put money in the Apple account or something mm. like that yeah okay and I uh, just, yeah actually my Google email sent an Apple email to spam because it had a tracking number and a and probably the words postage in it uh, I ordered some uh, <laughs> I ordered some uh, some Apple Pay you know, advertising material or something. I came across. I thought, yeah. well, why the hell not? I might get a sticker or something out of it. Uh, so, yep. so I ordered. It was free. And yeah, so they sent me the email about the oh yeah, your Apple product or stuff has been posted, tracking number. Uh, it had mailed because it had already been sent to me. Uh, but yeah, so Google, the Google uh, engine picked it up as spam and uh, chucked it in the spam bin. But I suppose look, Google's pretty good, isn't it? Like it catches yep. a lot of spam. Like, all my mail goes through Gmail, so it's all all detected by Google, whichever yeah. spam or malware or phishing or anything like that. But the 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 uh, the lesson to always take home is don't ever click a link in an email or open a document, particularly if it's not from someone who said I'm about to send you a document mm. and you check it out. Yeah, they just you, suddenly this random email appeared from Glenn saying, hey, look at this document I sent you. Even if it had your email address on it, I still wouldn't look at it unless I message you on Facebook and say, did you really send this? You're yeah. like, what? No? Okay. Because yeah. if, if somebody else's computer who we both knew got infected and they had you in the address book, they could just change the from field to say Glenn Goodman and the to field to have my address and it would look like it came from you. Yeah, that's right. And look, I was just watching a, a video the other day, a security video, because uh, we I was getting ready to do the Aussie Tech Security there, another another show with Roger. 
Uh, it's on the iTunes if you haven't heard of it. And uh, yeah, and the, it was talking about how the this company received, and this is a, a, a regular sort of scam that the, the guys pull off as well. A company that will receive an email to the receptionist saying, "Can you send me all the records, or you know, all the the, the uh, employment history or something of all the employees uh, signed CEO?" And so yep. you know, so uh, the 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 last she get or the whoever the receptionist gets in there, reply, sends all the stuff going, okay, there you go. I've done my job. Good on your Billy blogs, the yep. CEO. There's all the stuff. But when she's replied, it goes to the, the scammers and they've got all the, all the info of all the employees. So, uh, yep. yes, uh, identity. Well, I've even we had tar targeted phishing ones going to, uh, managers and managers assistants that appear to come from the CEO with, his mm. logo and all of his information on there saying we need to transfer this three million dollars this afternoon please send it through and the guy's like oh, oh i'm gonna do what the boss says send it through <laughs> then the ceo comes down and go where what? did where, where did our three million dollars go he said well you asked me to said, no so, i didn't so i think oh, the yeah in, uh, process to in, implement there is to get an email like that of something say sensitive material probably give the ceo a ring and say hey yep. billy uh, did you uh, send me this email? Do you really want all this sort of stuff? And uh, maybe, I don't know, print it all out and give it to him in paper, something like that. Is that uh, Billy Gates? Yes. Chicken Wings. Billy Chicken Wing Gates. <laughs> that's that's uh, <laughs> Yes, Milo. Uh, with Gmail, when you do put it in the spam folder, like you click it, whatever's called spam, that you think it's spam and it goes in the folder. Yeah. That doesn't system at all does it it doesn't what sorry that, that when it goes into the spam folder it doesn't go into your system at all does it, it just stays in the google that's right yeah it mm. stays on the google server and it also trains their um, algorithms that this type of email if you see it in the future and enough people click on this is spam it'll train it so that if that email or something similar goes to other people or to you in the future that it is spam and it will automatically send it there. That's right. Just checking. A lot of people are like, oh, I got, I got a scam. I'll just delete that. But if you actually hit, this is spam, it trains the system to know what it is. And in the future, it can automatically do that for you. So don't just go deleting it. Hit the, this is spam or this is junk, depending on what email program you've got. And yeah, get the, the algorithms. system will know what it's like in the future. Yep. Google pulls out of massive Sydney Harbour redevelopment project. One of the world's largest tech companies, Google, was the headline tenant of multi-billion dollar redevelopment project in an industrial Sydney Harbour backwater dubbed the Bay's Precinct. The government's development arm, Urban Growth New South Wales, had hailed the development as a once-in-a-generation opportunity to deliver innovative and attract innovation and attract jobs, reinforcing Sydney's reputation as internationally competitive, resilient and prosperous global city to live, work and visit. But that vision may have to wait with Google now saying sayonara to the Sydney Harbour site. The company insisted it had not reneged on a commitment to move its Australian headquarters to the former White Bay Power Station, which currently lies derelict at the heart of the precinct. The spokesman told news company there was never a deal and it only ever held exploratory negotiations about the possibility of moving into the building shell. Dubbed Silicon Harbour, the Bay's precinct would have seen 5.5 kilometres of harbour front and 95 hectares of mostly government-owned land turned into a hub for technology firms and startups. On Wednesday, a statement from Urban Growth New South Wales said it had come to a mutual agreement with Google Australia 
to abandon plans to move into the power station. Both parties have been through a collaborative, respectful and comprehensive process to determine a range of options for the site. I, I think hope they come up with something. I oh, know that's a that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? But I think when you when you get the uh, the comment from them that it, that the both parties have been through a collaborative, respectful conversation, I think it was probably anything but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what the situation. It'd be nice to have you know one area that's a technological area in Australia, and that you get all the hive mind going. Yeah, there and of course. People meeting in lunch and talking about the technology, and if you want to visit you can go there and see all the different places together rather than one over at piermont some in sydney some a bit north of sydney some south and some mm. in brisbane see yeah. if you can get a whole lot of them into one area that'd be great yeah like i don't know what 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 happened there but yeah i'm with you i reckon that'd be great and like everyone as soon as you mentioned silicon valley you know what you're talking about uh you know over there in san francisco i think even now the term silicon beach is getting a bit of a run uh, look, they're yep. Silicon Beach. I know it's a bit of a franchise, so to speak. There's Silicon Beaches cropping up everywhere. But how cool would it be to be the, the Silicon Harbour? Oh, that's the first one of those I've heard of. You know, like, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's Sydney It'd Harbour. You know, you got, you got, it's just the name. And as soon as you hear the name, you think of Sydney, Australia. You think, that is cool. Well, I don't know. They must have, obviously, Google must have wanted something too much. Or maybe they wanted to, um, I don't know. Yeah pollute the water pollute the, the internets or something i don't know whatever <laughs> but, uh, yes. well google google has their data centers uh, cooled by seawater and things like that they build a lot of them mm. around sea areas so that they don't actually have to pipe water in and use fresh water you know any kind of water going through cooling pipes to cool it down and it's very you know ec um, economical and also good for the environment because it was a big parcel of land like they're saying it here it was 95 hectares which is 5.5 yeah. kilometers of harbour front like beautiful yeah, bit of real it's estate not too bad plus so, uh, a lot of com a lot of the tech co companies also use the energy from waves to power the data centers as well so they get all yeah. of that from being close to the water yeah so i don't know what would have happened maybe the government wanted uh, you know, too much rent, or maybe Google didn't want to pay it. But yeah, like as you said, urban growth, New South Wales, hailed development as a once in a generation opportunity. Uh, yeah, I don't think you'd go too far wrong with that. That's uh, that's a bit of a shame that 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 didn't take off. But anyway, any thoughts on that, Milo? Yeah, uh, it would be an excellent opportunity, like for investing in new technology, and even like if you had like a kind of like a training facility there as well. You know, for upcoming tech guys and mm. yeah, yeah. that would be great. You know, for yeah, great for tourism. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe, maybe Melbourne could offer something up if there's some bit of land on the Yarra, the the uh, I don't know, <laughs> Silicon Lake or something, <laughs> Silicon River. <laughs> yeah, Silicon River, Silicon Yarra. Uh, all right, on the other one of uh, the other side of the harbour or bay or whatever, Microsoft moves quickly to patch fully exploiting zero-day world bug, uh, word bug. Sorry. Now they've uh, there's been a security flaw in all current versions of Office, which is being used by 1.2 billion people. Victims are drawn in by opening compromised word documents sent to them via email that are loaded with the dreaded Drydex banking trojan. Mm-mm-mm. I wish I had some that music. <laughs> the uh, subject line in all cases, uh, apparently, it reads scan data and includes compromised attachments, scan xxx.doc. So you're probably pretty familiar with these type of subjects as when you scan in a uh, 
document from your printer or from your scanner, it, it comes through titled, you know, scan XXX dot something or other, JPEG or PDF. Uh, so it looks pretty, pretty did, rigid did. You'd probably go, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll open that. So uh, scan documents sent via email commonly carry these subject lines. While most malware requires human interaction to activate it in a system, the micro this Microsoft Zero Day is able to run by simply opening the corrupted Word document, giving hackers control of the infected computer, personal details and passwords, etc. Now, this vulnerability was addressed in the April security update released on April 11th of this year. Customers who have applied the update or have automatic updates enabled are already protected. So you're safe. But if you haven't done the updates, better... Uh, that is why not? Yeah, go check them, eh? Go check the updates. Now, we all know how to check Windows 10 updates, don't we? Just go to the... Should by now. Yeah, the Windows button. Start typing updates. That'll get you there. That's uh, yep. nice and easy. I don't, I don't know if Cortana can tell you. I've never really used Cortana. Has anyone here used Cortana? Nope. nope. Crickets. Who, well, who talks to any of their devices? <laughs> Occasionally, I'll go, okay, Google set an alarm for 20 minutes or something like that, but that's about it. I saw uh, Cortana is being released onto the Raspberry Pis. I don't know if you nice. read that. Yeah, so they must be packaging it up somehow and, uh, yeah, going to release it onto the for the Raspberry Pi. So that'd be interesting. But, yeah, so they, look, these Microsoft bugs, you know, they're nothing to be uh, scared of. You just got to make sure your system's patched all the time and why wouldn't you have automatic updates on? Uh, if you don't know, if you if you want to check, you don't know how, just Google Google automatic updates Microsoft Windows blah blah blah, and that'll get you to where you're going. Good stuff. MBN is the wish and want of every Australian. Some people have got it, like these Yay! two <laughs> that you can hear rejoicing. I think nobody nobody is more happier than Milo. No, no. I think Milo was like you were languishing on like he, he was on he was on two tin cans with a bit of string for so many years. We didn't yep. think it was ever going to happen. <laughs> no, yeah. I did. I didn't. So was it was it a good day, Milo, when you hooked up and finally that speed started pumping through the wall? I I, I don't think I slept for two days. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But just think of the things you can do. Look, when we get, yeah, when I get back on to, if I get back, not back on, if I get the MBN, which is second half of next year, by the way, uh, yeah, I'll be looking for Facebook Live. Like, I can't stream video live because two and a half up is still not enough to do it. But anyway, anyway, look, uh, look, I think both of you guys pulled a story about the MBN, but let's go uh, uh, Warlock. What 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 angle of MBN are you taking us down? Well, another three hundred thousand Australian premises are getting fibre all the way to the driveway Ooh. as the MBN becomes more generous with its fibre rollout. It seems the multi-technology mix has been in constant flux since the coalition government decided to scrap plans to run fibre to the premises to ninety-three percent of Australian homes and businesses. These days, it's just pot luck as to where the fibre runs to your door, your basement, the end of your driveway, or the node around the corner. Initially, fibre to the curb was only expected to support up to 300,000 premises, but this grew to 70,000 when NBN decided to scrap the Optus HFC network. Not every home in the Optus HFC footprint is now getting fibre to the curb, only the ones areas which don't overlap with Telstra's HFC cable network, which is gradually becoming NBN cable, mm. but is experiencing significant teething problems. 
Now FTTC is estimated to become to reach another 30,000 premises spread across Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth, which were previously destined to receive FTTN. This brings us to 1 million fibre to the curb connections in total, and the justification for this change of heart is largely related to the cost and time to deploy. One benefit of FTTC is that it draws power from the premises, unlike FTTN, where the neighbourhood node requires its own power supply. Yeah, so there's so many different ways of getting this MBN into your wall, isn't there, into your computer. Uh, so I think, Warlock, you've got, what have you got? you got to the premise? Yes. Oh, sweet. Uh, Milo, do you know what you've got? Yeah, to the premise. Oh, sweet! Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get stuck with the HFC, Telstra HFC, which is the hybrid, uh, which is they're gonna try. Hurrah. Yeah, they're gonna. Well, it's still gonna give us some good speeds anyway. Now, look, I just uh, came across this. For those of you who don't know, want to get up to date with all the little acronyms, uh, the best one to get is FTTP, which is to the premise. And if I get any of this wrong, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you guys will let me know. Uh, and then you've got the FTTN which is the fibre to the node, which is, say, a little box at the end of the street, and then everyone just feeds off that. That's in your street. Fibre to FTTC, fibre to the curb, which Warlock was just talking about. And fibre to the basement, FTTB, which must would obviously mean... Mostly a, for apartments. Yeah, a set of units, you know, fibre goes into the basement. And the FTTH, which is, I don't know, I think that might be the P. Is that the same as the P? Yeah, yeah fibre, fibre to, to the, the home. home. Of FTTP, yeah. So they're the different types of ones. Now, Milo, did you have anything to add to that, or do you have any comments on Ambien? Uh, yeah, I think it's crazy. Like, I know it's taken how many years has it been to get this far? I mean, I know I've been watching you guys since you started, and it's uh, been able to watch you guys for a second and wait for 10 minutes for a buffer, you know, it's just. I, I can't understand why they had so many different versions of the NBN. They should have just stuck with the one goal and they probably would have been pretty much finished by now. Yeah. Oh, it was a knows. political football. That was the problem. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think it was, well, it's about, well, it's about 10 years old, isn't it, this year, since the concept yep. was drawn up at the, on a napkin in the <laughs> on that famous plane ride. So, uh, but look, I've also got a one to follow on or, or go further into this. Is uh, A question has been posed. Is the MBN heading towards a mobile iceberg? Now, this is being posed by a telco entrepreneur by the name of Bevan Slattery, uh, who has argued since 2010 that the MBN should never have been structured in pursuit of a commercial return and needs a dramatic restructure to meet its stated policy goals of fast and affordable broadband for all. Now, according to the experts, you know, those guys in the white coats and the red and the blue pen in their pocket, the federal government needs to make urgent and drastic changes to the structure of MBN or face having the bottom of the network cannibalised by mobile services. So this means that, uh, you know, the, bot the 20, bottom 20% of the MBN, which is, say, the slower plans, so I think they've got plans like 20 down and one up, essentially ADSL, you know. Uh, these obviously aren't people that are big users of, of data. So why would they bother investing in the MBN into their home, they just increase the data plan on their mobile. It's probably cheaper. You know, they might be able to increase their data plan for, I don't know, say twenty dollars, get their needs satisfied, rather than spending sixty dollars to have their same needs satisfied. You've got to get your needs. Depends satisfied. on what you're going to use. Average Joe user mm. is not going to watch Netflix on his television if it's streamed through the mobile. 
yeah in fact they wouldn't even most of them wouldn't know about hot spotting or tethering or anything like that so they're really going to need it in the end yeah that's right uh the mbn co uh, oh so this guy slattery uh he's gone on to oh he's given a bit of a lashing He's, he's gone and said the MBN Co needs to offer a sub $20 plan, not something like uh, four down, one up. Uh, that can lure users with tight budgets away from mobile and onto the MBN. Now, you can't do that when you're trying to get an economic return, but if you don't, mobile will absolutely eat the bottom at 10 to 20% of the MBN. So he, he's put it out there. He, he doesn't Sounds like they'd be, they'd be fighting the mobile carriers, Telstra Optus and... Um, mm. Vodafone and soon TPG, who's just announced that they're going to launch as their own complete carrier rather than reselling Optus or Vodafone. Well, we're going to get to so, that one um, next. Uh, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yes. Yes, yeah, Mike. That is, uh, it's good to have the low end plans because, like, I know when my dad was around, he had no idea of anything to do with computers. Mm. He had even a way to get, get the TV working properly. So, like, for people that who don't need the fast internet, that's good. So, like, you know, like the grand, <clears throat> our grandmas and granddads or uncles, you know, who don't use computers at all, you know, they can still have the, the high, the better quality phone line, but still not yeah. use the... Yeah, my dad's the same. He checks mail maybe once a week, goes on Facebook maybe every two weeks, and most of the time it's playing words with friends on his tablet is all that he uses the internet for at all. He doesn't watch anything. He's got um, free-to-air TV. That's the only way that he watches anything in the house. Mm. It's not on the free-to-air TV. He doesn't care and doesn't watch it. He's got a collection of DVDs. He can buy another one if he wants one of those. But, yeah, he he would be happy pay 20 bucks a month for, for one or something like that, even less. As uh, Warlock was talking before, TPG. Well, they've set a cat among the pigeons. Uh, that you, everyone's heard of Telstra, Optus, Vodafone, and now there is TPG. Uh, Warlock, did you have some on this, or do you want me to to carry? No, it? you go ahead. My dad's got his um, mobile phone through there, so it'll be interesting for him. Well, apparently they're not going to drop their alliance with uh, Vodafone yet. Uh, not not with Vodafone, with the other mob. Is it Vodafone? No, whoever they're with. Vodafone. Uh, yeah, Vodafone. Vodafone now, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They were with this. someone else. I got, I got confused. But, uh, yeah, they're not going to stop their association in the in the uh, short term. Maybe they might be uh, required to. <laughs> but, anyway, TPG has acquired $1.26 billion worth in 700 megahertz spectrum. And it's set to become Australia's fourth mobile network operator, announcing plans to build a $1.9 billion mobile network covering 80% of the population. So that's quite big, uh, considering I think Telstra's only, I think Telstra might be at 90 or something, isn't it? It's, uh, but it's, it's up there. TPG secured two 10 megahertz lots as part of the Australian Communications and Media Authority's high-value spectrum auction, which sold off unsold lots from the 700 megahertz band on the 4th of April. Now, bidding from three companies saw revenues for the auction exceed $1.5 billion. How good is that? How good is the government going raising money, having an auction for, for air? <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> surpassing, I... yeah, so the $1.5 billion surpassing the reserve price of about $857 million. Vodafone Hutchison Australia was the other successful bidder, uh, securing two 5 megahertz lots for $285 million. 
Now I'll give you a chance in a sec, uh, Milo. Uh, TPG uh, joins, yeah, Telstra, Optus, and Vodafone as the operator. Also revealed it would spend a further six hundred million for network rollout expenditure over three years. So, uh, look, if you want to get into some techie specs, the 700 megahertz spectrum is extensively used throughout Australia to provide 4G mobile broadband. TPG's purchased lots cover the 738 to 748 megahertz and 793 to 803 megahertz ranges. Now, Vodafone lots covered the 733 to 738 megahertz and the 788 to 793 megahertz ranges. So, look, if that all just does your head in, go to the aussietechheads.com.au forward slash podcast. You'll find the show notes. And as always, with, with most of the stories that we talk about, there'll be links to go back to the original story from the original source, and you can link away. But, uh, yeah, Milo, what do you reckon about that? Where where do you sit in the mobile spectrum? Who, who are you with? Well, I'm currently with Optus because uh, I just bought my new iPhone 7. Oh, uh, nice. That's right. Cool. And yeah, a, go- so- a gold one. Nice. He says it's gold, but it looks red to me. I don't know. It looks... Yeah, it's gold, red, uh, uh, ice, uh, life-proof case. Does, does, so. the, does the gold ones cost more? No. no? Just a different colour. Oh, yeah. Right. But no. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens with TPG. TPG seems to be one of the leading NBN people out there, despite a lot of complaints and the, you know, lack of service. I, I love TPG, by the way. Um... But, uh, yeah, it, it is to be interesting to see how, how it makes the other guys like Telstra and Optus sort of like have to update mm. their stuff. I right. think the thing that I didn't like, like I probably, when the iPhone 6 came out, I got one and I probably got sucked into the, I don't know, the bit of the hype. I, I bought one. I had an old 5 and I needed a yeah. new one. And then it just seems every time these new iPhones or whatever come out, iPhones being the most popular, of course, that all the plans just skyrocket. You know, and nowadays, like, I'm not going to renew the plan, obviously. I'm paying, like, something like 100 bucks a month. Now, I can get a better deal with the same carrier for less than half, can you believe? It's crazy, yeah, crazy. If, you, if but, they could work out a plan for your NBN, your phone, and your mobile only one, that would be even better. Yeah, well, I think Telstra's sort of kind of, aren't they? <laughs> a little bit like that, because they got that Telstra Air, which is quite good. Where that if you yeah. if you're out and about, you see the pink telephone box, or someone else around the street has the Telstra Air enabled on their home Wi-Fi, you can use, you can hook into that Wi-Fi, but it'll come off your home's uh, total. Data. Yeah, so that's good. But uh, Wallach, what do you think about TPG? Do you think this is this is obviously that's a good buy? Competition's healthy, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite interesting because uh, IINet is the one that everyone called the Borg because it was buying up all the different companies and then suddenly TPG came out and swallowed them whole. So now they're doing the same thing. They're coming out lashing and getting into all the different markets they can. So good on them, you know, more competition is always good for people. Well, I think TPG were the ones also that were really trying to give people faster internet. They were laying their own cables and, and doing things before you know. iinet were putting in their own d slams because telstra wouldn't do that so mm. they got around it by putting in their own ones and then jacking up the speeds for everyone and then uh telstra had to go well i guess we can let people get a bit faster speed and that's what really took it off and then tpg came along was doing the same thing mm. now while we're speaking of telcos uh the dart the old data harvest now i think uh 
Warlock, this was one of that you that you've brought out this week. What's uh, the Australian Telcos begin mandatory data harvest? What's all that about? Yes, uh, thanks to the government, Australian Telcos will start harvesting and storing customer information from this week. But the metadata collected under the mandatory scheme will not be allowed to be used in civil legal proceedings, according to the federal government. The Turnbull government has opted against tinkering with the current safeguards after reviewing to the matter found insufficient reason for allowing exceptions. Mm. According to the Attorney General's Department, the existing restrictions on civil litigants accessing data collected under the mandatory data retention scheme will stay in place. Under the controversial program, which passed the Senate March 2015, telcos will be required to hold on to customer metadata for at least two years. While the law officially came into effect in October 2015, Telstra were given until April 13, 2017 to have their metadata collection systems in place. Metadata is the essential information that can be used to create a digital footprint of an individual. In case of phone calls, the metadata would be the information on the date, duration, time and location of the call rather than what was said. The mandatory retention issue generated fierce debate, not just between the government and privacy advocates, but also irked the telco industry, which had to bear the burden of compliance. While the government has doled out a combined $128.4 million to 180 telcos across the country under its data retention industry grants program, the industry is concerned about linking delays and getting the money to all the recipients. According to the Communications Alliance, many telcos are still not fully prepared as the implementation period comes to an end. Metadata has been touted by the government as a basic building block in counter-terrorism, counter-espionage and organised crime investigation. However, critics of the scheme maintain that it trades away the privacy of citizens for no real benefit. There are also concerns about how easily the system can be bypassed. Communications carried out using over-the-top services like Skype, FaceTime or Facebook Messenger will not be stored. Virtual private networks, VPNs, which are now relatively cheap and easy to install, also provide a degree of protection by hiding internet traffic. And um, I saw, I think it was on Facebook, someone has announced today as VPN, get a VPN day. Oh, right. so if you're interested, <laughs> go nice. do some Googling on how to find a VPN. I used one called Getflix for a while, which is not too bad. Mm. That let me um, watch US Netflix and UK Netflix whenever I wanted to switch between them. i got one I think it's called Private Internet Access, PIA. Google it, you'll find it. I think it's 50 bucks a year. There's also Tunnel Bear, which is sort of free. Yeah, there's a few. The, the thing that stuck out for me in that uh, article there was uh, that and I know we've spoke about it before, but how the government has given the telcos like a couple of million dollars to implement the, you know, the, the systems to, to store all this stuff. Since when is the government in the business of helping people help them, if you know what I mean? Like, you know, they bought yeah, the GST. It doesn't sound in. like our government does it. No, like they bought the GST in. Like how much red tape has that increased every business? But there's no, oh, here's, here's 5000 a year to, to cover yeah. your expenses to, to do your bad statements. None of that business. Nope. Hmm. But anyway, all right. Now, next, uh, we're going to hear from Milo, and he's got something to do with turtles. Yeah, scientists have developed a way to control turtles with their mind. It sounds like, <laughs> like Dr. Evil might come up with, but unlike sharks, where the laser beams were attached to their heads, mind-controlled turtles are now a reality. Oh, Ooh. look out. Yeah. Uh, so, so what? So what do they do? Get the turtles to do? They say, um, "Act like a dog." <laughs> or something like that. What are they You are now a chicken. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, we had yeah, a... 
Researchers in Korea have found out, figured out a way to, to control how turtles move with human thought. The new technology uses the turtle's oh, natural flight, flight, flight or fight response to tell it uh, which direction to swim. The system created by researchers from the, yeah, this is going to be fun, the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. Yeah, I got through it. Combines two technologies uh, opposite to one another. Brain two uh, computer interfaces, PCIs, which allows humans to control machines by thought and wow. computer well, two interfaces. I don't know. If uh, I, look, is this bad income, or is this 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 story wasn't on April Fool's Day, was it? No, they have a camera on the front, um, so they can see where the where the turtle is. They got a servo motor, Wi-Fi transceiver, control module, Raspberry Pi that we'll keep right. talking about. Um, batteries. <laughs> uh, what else have they got here? Black semi cylinder, whatever that does, uh, and a tracking monitor marker thingy the good old Ras uh, raspberry pi it's good for everything mind control yeah. mind control yeah. we, we had a turtle and we had to had to evict it yeah. it was stuck under our steps when the floods came when the waters came uh yeah i had to uh it would have got stuck in there and probably drowned because they do still uh, need to breathe so i had to uh it got it went in grew and couldn't get back out <laughs> so I, oh, no. I had to get it with one hand and and like swap it hand to hand through the steps because the top step the gap at the top was higher so anyway i got yeah. it out and uh and then it just uh, ran for its life <laughs> and then it just, <laughs> just popped back in the water and see you later little fella now bye bye now look, look. That's a bit of a strange story, and probably keeping with nah, it. Hey, no. What'd you say? I, no. I just. <laughs> I thought I liked the bird a bit. Yeah, that's right. I've got another strange one. That's not. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not uh, maybe not as strange as turtle mind control, but uh, tombstones. Now this is probably quite spooky. Tombstones are set to become interactive. So how do you how do you like those? Now what happens here? Look, I'm going to. Uh, for those who are watching the video, there is a video, by the way, if you want to watch the video of the show, it is on youtube.com forward slash the tombstone, a lot more information about and I'll just try and uh, stop that from making noise. Here we go, because I wanted to, oh, I wish that had stopped making noise, but there we go. Now, look, I'll, I'll tell you about the story now. Now, each tombstone will have a display embedded into it, like an LCD screen, I guess, with, uh, with, with, Pictures uh, and details about the deceased. It's, it's a 48-inch panel, so it's no small screen. From a distance, they look like normal tombstones, but when these when these new ones are aware, if you, they are aware if you stand in front of them, they can detect, detect your presence using built-in sensors and start interacting. It's going to be spooky, wouldn't it? What is on display is up to the family of the deceased or the deceased themselves if they get, in, get a chance to uh, sort all this out before they depart. And, uh, yeah, voice, scrolling text, audio, video, mixture of all three. There's even going to be a smartphone app allowing audio to be streamed to your device rather than having speakers in the tombstone. Oh, my God. Yeah. As you a, just have the speakers automatically detect when someone comes past and go, Ooh, <laughs> I'm not really dead. Ooh. But as for the cost of all this, like a 48-inch display is not going to be cheap but no yeah they look they reckon it's going to cost roughly around thirty two hundred dollars 
Uh, they're weather and vandal proof. I don't know about... They'd want to be because even the concrete ones and marble ones get vandalized quite often and easily. They'd have oh. to run off uh, solar as well. Well, that's right. I was just going to say, like, how do they get the, the power to them, you know? Like, yeah, so obviously there's going to be a bit of a solar thing going on or you're going to have to pay to get power laid and all this sort of stuff. But uh, would you, would, uh, wouldn't do you... any good in Britain because they don't have any sun over there. No, no. But was it on this show the other week we were talking about vertical burials? Were we talking about that? You got, Instead of getting laid down, sure. holes, you get down, yeah. you get down in, a, in a vertically in a hole. Just weird stuff, isn't it? I think Milo's infected your brain now. <laughs> yeah. He's controlling you. He's got you, MK Ultra man. Yeah. It, it could have, uh, when you when you're being buried, like in your party, you really have to say that if you wanted to have like certain battery packs somehow connected to, like like a connection, you know, like so you have, a, 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 how can I say it, like a maze of connectors all going to a single hub at crematorium. You know, or the head at front of entrance of the cemetery. So maybe, and then that is powered by the street or something. Yeah, but could then, you imagine, like, you know, your, your cars are getting hacked, your toasters are getting hacked, your, even the ovens are getting hacked. So, you know, like, the old tombstone, they're going to get hacked as well. People have some fun with those, wouldn't they? Ransomware. Yeah, <laughs> pay up or you'll die. Oh, that won't work. <laughs> All right, uh, look, also uh, on uh, Aussie Tech Heads on iTunes, you can catch the Aussie Mac Zone, uh, which is if you're into Macs and iPhones and all that, uh, Michael and Garth, they, they go into, yeah, just news and reviews and tips and tricks. And mainly I listen for the tips and tricks for the for the iPhone. And, uh, yeah, Garth is uh, pretty good. got nimble fingers. He knows his way around the iPhone. And Michael, uh, authorised repairer, so he definitely knows what's going on. And also other shows to look out for on the iTunes, Obsidian Loft, Old Fart Geeks, and Aussie Tech Security. All right. Let, yes, was there, a, was there a comment there? Where yeah, we, I, just, I was just saying I miss the old farts. Yes, well, um, yeah, there's we a probably a couple of... wheels ready. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of lines there, Milo, but I, I won't go with those. But yes, I think <laughs> Warlock had the best one. Yeah, wait till Will. Will is... Uh, yeah, he good boy. Will he went down and helped out in the floodwaters down in Lismore. So good on you, Will. Went down there a helping hand. But yeah, Will and Eric are busy this week. So hopefully we catch up with those guys soon. But uh, anyway, we're gonna keep forging on. All right, now to Sheba. Well, they're not looking too good, are they? Uh, look, they do a lot of things around the place. <laughs> they're most most commonly well known to us as uh, laptop makers. But anyway, their future is in doubt as it reveals nearly $7 billion losses. Now, it is possible that T Toshiba will now be delisted from the Tokyo Stock Exchange after restructuring its divisions to counteract growing losses and seeing most of these divisions improve as a result. Toshiba was rocked by losses experienced by nuclear power subsidiary. Well, oh, I can't even speak either tonight. Westinghouse Electric, which has filed for bankruptcy. So uh, they're not going too good. Uh, recorded an annual income loss for the first nine months, which is April to December 2016, uh, of $6.9 Australian dollars. That is a lot of money to lose, but it was, it was a write-down as well. But a decision to spin off Toshiba Memory Corporation as a separate company means it can more speed, speedily sell all or some of it to generate money to pay its debts and rebuild capital. Now, who should be interested but Foxconn, 
Foxconn Fox is reportedly one potential buyer for the chip business. But look, I think Toshiba ran into, not saying that this was the, 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 the falling of the giant, but they ran into issues not too long ago when they, were, they had some spam or spyware installed on their machines. Was that Toshiba, Jace, uh, Warlock? I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, I think it was. I think it might have been. But anyway, uh, so they're not looking too good. But Toshiba laptops, I've, I've, I've seen heaps of those. They go great. Uh, my mom's, yeah. Yeah, my mum's got one. I've, I see a few of them. I just replace the hard drives in them and they go for another They go for another few whiles. Yeah, so they're good. All right, uh, Warlock's got an Amazon story. What's going on with Amazon? Yeah, the, the streaming war is seriously heating up with Amazon reportedly committing six billion dollars to its video on demand service in 2017 in a clear bid to take the fight to netflix the financial commitment nearly matches the staggering eight billion dollar budget netflix says it will spend on original content this year amazon prime recently launched in australia and with a lower price point the company is keen to lure netflix subscribers onto its service while it continues to build up its library the $6 billion figure Amazon will spend on content is according to analysts at Wall Street firm JP Morgan and is a higher figure than many industry observers had expected. By comparison, renowned broadcaster HBO, whose online streaming service is not readily available to Australian consumers, spent $2.6 billion on programming in 2016. In December, Amazon made its video service global by entering 200 countries roughly a year after Netflix made the move. At the same time, Amazon has moved to bulk up its offering of original content, including paying a reported $320 million for the Top Gear revival. Last week, Amazon Studios boss Roy Price told the audience at an industry conference that the company's focus was on the creme de la creme of its blockbuster shows. While the rights and investment can be expensive, Amazon wants to boast the actual shows people are talking about, he says. Mm. Wow. So is the Prime, you can sign up to Prime out here? Yep. Do we know? If you're no. really into Top Gear, uh, a lot of people are doing it just for that. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I'm sticking with my Netflix. I'm happy with it. Yeah. yeah. They do, you know, on, on Twitch TV, they got this new cheering thing where you can, instead of giving somebody a donation, you can sign up with Amazon Prime and you can, like, give free cheers. So it comes up like an alert on screen and stuff like that. So that's pretty popular on Twitch TV, but. I haven't seen uh, Amazon Prime anywhere in Australia that I've noticed yet. Yeah, I Maybe. think I think it is here. I'm pretty. I think I heard or remember Eric saying he's signed up for it because he's the Top Gear fan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Well, let me uh, just Google that. I'll have a look and see if we can. Yeah, a few friends of mine said they signed up just for the Top Gear show. Oh yeah, so you can do it like legit in Australia, Prime. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and um, Amazon have had servers in Sydney for a long time. Yeah, oh, well, that's right. Yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, Amazon.com slash Prime hyphen video. That looks like the way it goes. TV I would channel. like servers like this, say like Amazon and uh, Netflix, to not just have Australian content or UK content, but why can't they, event I suppose eventually it'll happen, but have it so that you can have the same content in America that you would in Australia, vice versa, without having to have the VPNs and all that stuff. Mm. Yeah, well, I think, uh, firstly, it looks like you can get in Australia because I just logged into it because I had an Amazon account, so that's good. But, yeah, look, I, I know the, the 
this region business, you know, I'll, I think look, they've learned another lesson again with this. Is it the Batman Lego movie where there was a four month delay uh, in the yep. release in in? They the said US. they learned last time that it was a very big mistake mm. to delay it in Australia, so they're going to do it again. Because I know, I know, like, like the, the the urge is great, isn't it? Like, you know, you want your big movie to come out at Christmas or in the summer. You know, and the, the summers are opposite for us in the US. So the, the urge is great, you know, like you're thinking, oh, no one's going to go and watch a movie in the middle of winter. You know, we want this to come out in the summer. But by the time the summer comes around, if you hold off, everyone's going to see it by whatever means possible. So, yeah, I think it's yep. just getting to the stage where uh, one world government, one world Internet <laughs> streaming, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. You need to do it. You need to do it. Uh, or, yes, you do need to do it. Now, yeah, so, uh, yes, it looks like it is available in Australia. It's Amazon Prime. Looks like they've got a few good shows. Uh, The Grand Tour, which is the top spin, the top uh, gear spin-off. Because they're not allowed to call it Top Gear, are they? I don't think the the people that watch Top Gear like the new Top Gear. I've heard that. No, I don't think so. But, but yeah, so, yeah. I haven't even seen that one. That's not too bad. I'm not religiously, don't religiously watch it, but it's not too bad. Uh, yeah, so they've got heaps of movies and stuff, and look, but Amazon being Amazon, they've got their own storage and distribution facilities, haven't they? So, and you're you're a bit of a Stan man, aren't you too, Glenn? Yeah, I've uh, I've had a look at Stan. I've had a go. Yeah, in. you're right. As well. Presto. Oh well, Presto. God rest its soul. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it died. <laughs> but look, as we said, we said as soon as all this Stan and everything came in, there's only going to be one winner. But now that look, Amazon's raised its head, but. Back then, it was just going to be Netflix. They'll just win out. Yep. They're just too big. So, uh, well, hey, watch this space. Netflix versus Amazon should be uh, should be a beauty. And apparently, Stan owns a lot of the Amazon exclusives, so even Amazon Prime won't be able to have it in Australia mm. until it's gone through the Stan exclusive, which means that they've sort of shot themselves in the foot there. Yeah. Oops. Look, they've got to start getting all this together, haven't they? Because it's just going to, the pirating of this stuff is just going to keep going. Everyone's heard of Swatch. I thought the Swatches were those, the, the, the coloured watches, aren't they? Well, Apple yeah. Apple is taking Swatch to court for something different. I think I reckon Apple must have a whole wing of just just legal eagles, you know, just ready to pounce <laughs> in, in, their, in their new new UFO. But anyway, Apple takes Swatch to court over Swatch's tick different ads. Well, what the, the the confusion or the the blue is all about? You may remember, cast your mind back uh, thirty years. You might remember Apple had the advert and the campaign, the Think Different campaign. Well, now Swatch has got the Tick Different. Bit different. I don't know if I would uh, get that confused. I would I would get that Swatch Watch Tick. You know, I'm with it. So Swatch is Apple, Apple's probably going to say because they've got the Apple Watch now and you're doing a watch thing, so therefore you can't steal that kind of idea. Yeah, well, Apple and uh, Swatch were in trouble earlier, weren't they, a couple of years ago? Uh, because uh, in, no, in September last year, the uh, UK intellectual, intellectual Property Office upheld Swatch's opposition to Apple's efforts to trademark iWatch. In the UK, it ruled that the term was too close to I swatch and swatch. So this might be revenge, revenge for Apple. They dun, want dun, dun. they want to take revenge over swatch. Now, anyway, till let's talk about what's going on with the tink different. Tink Can't different. we all just play together nicely and have a good time? No, apparently not. 
Now, Apple says the phrase unfairly references its Think Different campaign, which ran in the 90s. Swatch said the slogan was a nod to one of its own campaigns from the 80s, which was always different, always new. Apple used Think Different in its adverts from 1997 to 2002. Although it was a bit earlier than that, but anyway, that's what it is. Uh, in what was thought to be a response to IBM's Think Ad campaign. So they've really copied it anyway. Apple's copied it from IBM. And now Swatch, Apple saying Swatch has copied it from them. A 1998 television advert featuring black and white images of historical figures such as Einstein and Gandhi won an Emmy. That was the Apple ad. Now, Apple lawyers, here we go, Lentz and Staling. There's different ones every time, isn't there? Said that the tagline was long considered the core of the Apple brand. <laughs> Please. Legal experts say that to win the case, Apple must show that that Swatch's use of the phrase tick different provoked an association with Apple products in the minds of at least 50% of consumers. A similar complaint lodged at the same time with the Swiss Federal Institute of Intellectual Property was rejected. Swatch was granted the trademark status for the phrase tick different in the US in 2015. It is also trademarked for the slogan in Switzerland. So I don't know. Good luck to Apple if they try and get that. But like, leave it alone. That's different. I don't. I didn't think. I wouldn't have thought of Apple if I saw a watch. That sounds a lot like revenge, doesn't it? That is. That is. It's revenge, all right, because of the last year's problems. But uh, I don't know. Milo, Swatch, and Tick. Do you think of Apple? Touch your head in. <laughs> the Warlock, Swatch, Tick, Apples. Apples come to mind. Not really. No. It's like, I think Apple even got upset when Woolworths changed its logo because yes. the, the Woolworths <laughs> looked like an apple. Well, maybe it does, but it's got nothing to do with computers. Doesn't look like their apple. No, that's right. Their, theirs has got a bite out of it. Woolworths was whole, so there. Like Woolworths wouldn't have couldn't have an apple with a bite out of it. And yeah. there's chocolates coming up with the trademark or trade name, even like from my band. It's so hard coming up with different names without worrying about somebody else has done in the last 20 years. Yeah, I know. It is, look, it is hard, and you've got to go searching through the trademark register and the, the whatever just to make sure that you're going to be right, but but who knows. But look, uh, Milo, you've you're got a, a vinyl record story, and I, I've heard through the couple of weeks that vinyl is increasing sales 70% year yeah. per year. What are you, you got to tell us about vinyl? Yeah, vinyl uh, gets another spin around Australia. Whatever way you spin it, vinyl sales are up in Australia, a whopping 15.1 million worth of records was sold across the country in 2016. That's records. Mm. Uh, up up 70% to previous year's figures from the Australian Recording Industry Association area. Uh, so it was the sixth consecutive year for the that the industry has seen an increase in the demand for vinyl. Vinyl is really selling really well, and it actually took over CD sales the last half of last year. Matt Hardy, of managers of Red Eye Records, he says uh, biggest sellers on vinyl cover all cover all. I'm sounding like Glenn. Tenere's uh, with uh, particular interest on back catalogue releases like the old classic rock and hip hops. Last year, where the biggest seller was David Bowie's Black Star, mm. uh, which obviously had a bit to do with his passing. And things like 
Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd, will see will sell multiple copies a week. Uh, same with Flat. Fleetwood Mac's Rumours, Beatles albums, etc. He said our album sales are not just confined to nostalgic baby boomers. One uh, current Australian psych rock band that sells particularly well in that format. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> really, really well. Uh, any new album of theirs, we can sell quite a lot of uh, copies and have three albums a year and they're getting kids as young as 12 with their parents that come into uh that have dug out the don't turn tables out of the out of the garage and they want to put taylor swift on it i don't know if mine would actually work my turntable i think it's i've got one that i got when i was about five it's a little portable record player oh you should pull it out i think the needle's stuffed and it plays <laughs> twinkle twinkle little star i've seen them they've got the little <laughs> metal teeth on there and it's got little bumps that go around and that's right yeah, fisher price isn't it yeah uh, <laughs> no it's a real one <laughs> but uh yeah so but look records i don't know like i know i get it's, it's the nostalgia of it all and but you know if you have to audio quality can't you just get a really big you know a, a wave file or something a high def wave Clack. file yeah, wouldn't that yeah. be the same? Like, I don't want meter anymore. I don't buy DVDs. I don't buy CDs. I don't want records. If I can't digital it, then mm. it just takes up space. Now I've got DVDs sitting in the DVD cupboard there that you know you might watch once every few years, if that, and then don't watch it again. So that just no, takes up right. space now. Yeah, look, I'm looking at the edge unit for my little car. And it doesn't even come with a CD player. It just comes with a USB, so you can or Bluetooth. Yeah, uh, but it's good. I, I, I love the sound of vinyl if you can have the right, the, the right uh, sound. Like if you've got Acoustics. a really high. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, but, it does sound good, but I don't know. I think I really as Warlock said, flack or high high quality, flack or a wave file. I think they, they're supposed to sound as good as a vinyl, aren't they? Except you don't get the. Ksh, 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 Maybe that's what they're missing. That might be. Mm, It might be. It might be the. It might remind them of the sound of their mother's heart. Who knows? Falling in the lounge with the record going. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, that just uh, brings us to the end of this week's show. So thanks for joining us. Uh, We can be found at facebook.com forward slash Aussie Techheads, twitter.com forward slash Aussie Techheads, or youtube.com. You guessed it forward slash Aussie Tech Edge. Email us, glenn at aussietechheads.com.au, will warlock at aussietechheads.com.au, and eric at aussietechheads.com.au. Where can we find you, Milo? MiloGuy.com via Aussie Tech Heads. We're posting. Good stuff. You can hear you can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com. There's a 24-7 back-to-back play, some of the best tech-related shows slash podcasts from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows added each Friday. So go and jump on the uh, best app to get would be the TuneIn Radio app cross-platform. Search Aussie Tech Radio and you are away, baby. Away. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Milo. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. And, uh, no worries. Giving us, give us, giving us your all. Thanks, Warlock. Thanks to you too. No worries. Good to see you again. Catch yeah. you again next Cheers. week. Cheers. And uh, have a good Easter, everyone. Good luck for yes, the week. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.